2: It is Wednesday, November 8th, and we're talking Yankees baseball today with our good friend Brian Hoke, Yankees reporter for MLB.com. Brian, we thank you for the time today, and as I said, we speak here on this uh, Wednesday afternoon, and we're uh, just about 24 hours removed from the uh, tragic news of the passing of former two-time Cy Young winner Roy Halladay in a plane crash uh, on Tuesday. This one really hurts, Brian. I mean, of course, uh, any athlete death really uh, you know, hits home, but... Considering it, not just the player that Roy Halladay was, as like I said, the two Cy Youngs, uh, one in each league, he had the perfect game, he had the postseason no hitter. He's as accomplished as uh, anybody in uh, in recent memory. But as the the tributes come pouring in from uh, other players that he played with and against, you get the sense that he was not only a great player, but just a great person, a great guy to be around, a wonderful husband terrific father to two kids and uh you know th- this one really hurts this one really stings and from your perspective uh at, given all the years he pitched with the blue jays and against the yankees you know countless times uh, any particular recollections or memories of uh, roy halliday from you
3: i mean it's, it's heartbreaking um you you just hear the tributes coming in as you mentioned from his former teammates and people who played against him and I thought they put it very well on MLB.com. They said he was your favorite player's favorite player, yeah. and I think that speaks volumes about the kind of guy he was. You know, I heard uh, Brad Lidge talking about during his time with the Phillies. Uh, he w- he would think that he was the first guy getting to the ballpark, and, and Roy would be there already, having worked out for two hours. And uh, I just it it really breaks your heart. You look at his Twitter feed. He obviously had a passion for flying. This was his big dream that he was going to do after he retired. He bought the plane, he posted videos. And I, I think it spoke volumes. Also uh, the press conference that the County Sheriff did down there. I mean, he had a personal relationship with Roy Halliday. I, I think he coached little league with the, with his kids. So I think that just speaks to the, the outreach that he did down there in the Florida community uh, throughout the American league. And then we could talk all day about what he did on the field, but, uh, having watched him in the American League East during a time of inflated offense, uh, this guy was dominant. And then uh, the thought that really comes to the forefront of my mind is the postseason no-hitter with Philadelphia, and um, he is going to be missed. And it's just, uh, it's a real tragedy. A life taken way, way, way too too soon. He had a lot more living to do.
2: No, absolutely. I mean, just uh, 40 years of age and two young sons and a and a, a wonderful wife and. A, it just, it just hurts on so many levels and uh, just a, a tragic story for not just baseball but all the sports is uh, Roy Halladay uh, passing away at the age of 40 uh, following a plane crash and it's, it's just something that makes you shake your head and, and say, you know what, not just why him, but why anyone, but especially why him, because for all he accomplished on the field and for the type of player, for the type of human being that he was uh, just such a tragic loss. Uh, well, Brian, from that, let's uh, make a rather awkward transition into some news items uh, for the Yankees. Of course, the, uh, the, the big news item is the managerial search. And uh, as we speak on this Wednesday, Rob Thompson, a bench coach under Joe Girardi, is going to be interviewed for the managerial vacancy uh talk about Thompson I don't think even the most ardent Yankee fan uh, knows a whole lot about him he's obviously very experienced a number of years of serving on the coaching staff uh, under Joe Girardi what can you tell us about a guy that could be uh, the next skipper in the Bronx
3: yeah I I think he's got a shot as one of their internal candidates obviously Brian Cashman said he didn't want to waste anyone's time by giving out courtesy interviews so I think that Anybody you see go into Yankee Stadium and interview for this job has a legitimate crack at it. And Thompson, I mean, they, they shouldn't have to interview him too much. They should know him pretty well by now. He's, he's the organizational lifer. He spent 28 years in the Yankee organization. Uh, as you mentioned, a lot in the major league dugout under Joe Girardi. He's filled in on a few occasions when Girardi's been sick or absent or rejected or what have you. So he's familiar around a lineup card. I mean, this is a guy and you're right, Yankee fans probably don't know too much about Rob Thompson, but this is the guy that makes the gear spin. Uh during spring training, you know, Joe Girardi often has to go to or often had to go, let me correct myself, to Rob Thompson and Larry Rothschild to find out what groups were hitting, where who was on what field, where where everybody was gonna be that day. And and it was Thompson's job to really keep that regimented uh, up and from Six in the morning and when players start arriving until the last guy was off the field. That was his responsibility, and to make sure everybody got their work in. So uh, I think there's going to be a lot of similarities between Thompson and Girardi. Um, Brian Cashman, in his conference call, what he described sounded an awful lot like Joe Girardi. Uh, it just was obvious that for whatever reason, and he, he said communication with the players, uh, a change was needed at this point in time. But I think Rob Thompson has a lot of similarities to Girardi. I think that um, it would be a comfortable fit. I'm not sure if uh, Brian Cashman wants a comfortable fit right here. I, I think that he mentioned on the conference call he's not afraid of taking chances. And if he wanted a comfortable fit, you could have just plugged Girardi right back in there and gone to it. I mean, you were one win for the World Series.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, on one hand, you do maintain a continuity from the Girardi regime. On the other hand, if Girardi's not the guy you want, why would you want a guy similar to him? So there's, you know, arguments on both sides of the fence here. It's going to be interesting to see uh, just what kind of a chance Rob Thompson does have as becoming the successor to Joe Girardi in the Bronx. Uh, Brian, on the the player front, the big news that Masahiro Tanaka is not going to opt out of his contract and will fulfill the remaining of three years and $67 million on his initial deal. I think uh, this this caught me a little bit by surprise because when you consider how brilliant he was, it was either his uh, last start or next-to-last start in the regular season, struck out 15 Blue Jays in the Bronx. Then he carried that into the postseason, uh, three starts in a sub-1 ERA, uh, 20 innings, 18 Ks. Considering all that and how hot he was, so to speak, are you surprised that he did not at least explore this option, considering that, again, because of the way he ended the season, he could have gained a lot of interest from a lot of teams?
3: Uh, you might be right. I mean, it's a relatively weak free agent class. But, no, it did not surprise me, and here's why. Uh, he had such an up-and-down season, and he, he freely admitted that. Um, there was a point during the year where the Yankees were probably hoping he would opt out, and, and so they could clear that money off their payroll. I didn't think he was going to do better than three years and $67 million on the open market, even given the free agent uh, state of what's out there right now. Um, I, I think that they, they were great, five great starts at the end of the year. That's probably the best I've seen him since 2014, before he had the uh, lateral ligament there. Um, but let's not forget, he's still pitching with that. Uh, if he was to go out there on the open market, then you have to subject uh, a team to those medicals, Do you really want to take that chance, take that gamble that a team's going to say, yeah, it hasn't snapped yet, we'll we'll roll the dice and say it will, and we'll give you a raise too? I I don't think that was going to happen. So I think that uh, Tanaka, it was a good fit in New York. He's happy here. they were one win from the World Series. I mean, there are a lot worse situations you could be in.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, you have to look at the entire body of work, like you said, uh, not just the last five starts, but before that, so up and down. Gave up 35 home runs, one of the worst figures in all the baseball this year. So uh, hopefully for Yankee fans, he continues that momentum garnered at the end of 2017 into 2018 and beyond. And Brian, to wrap up here, uh, no Yankees came away with uh, gold gloves in 2017. Uh, Aaron Judge and Brett Gardner certainly possibilities in the outfield for the Yankees. Of course, Gardner won in 2016. He finishes behind Alex Gordon. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Mookie Betts of the Red Sox wins for the second straight year, uh, edging Aaron Judge. Surprised that neither one of them uh, came away with gold gloves or not really?
3: Um, not really. I-, I didn't think Judge was going to beat out Mookie Betts. I mean, Judge, fantastic a defensive player. I mean, Fred Gardner said it so many times. He's more than just a guy who hits the ball a long way. and. He obviously helps the Yankees on both sides of the ball, but Mookie Betts was really something special for Boston. And uh, in Kansas City, uh, Alex Gordon, I was a little more surprised on that. Uh, But I go back to talking to Brett Gardner in spring training, and we were talking about his gold glove, and he said to me, yeah, the only reason I won it was because Alex Gordon was hurt for most of the year. And so that wasn't the case this year, so I – I think that was an indication that Gardner knew which way the voters probably were going to lean. So he probably wasn't too surprised when his phone didn't ring yesterday.
2: Yeah, and I love the refreshing honesty by Brett Gardner. That's so rare in a professional athlete. Some of these guys have eagles, you know, bigger than the dugout. But Gardner, very down to earth, and he realizes that, you know what, I I did win, but there's a big reason why. Uh, Gordon healthy in 2017, and Gardner has to settle for uh, runner-up or somewhere beneath that. So that's, like I said, refreshing to see. And, Brian, recently uh, Aaron Judge, who's up for a plethora of off-season awards, including a AL Rookie of the Year, he's pretty much a shoe in for that, also in the running for AL MVP competing against uh, the Jose's, Altuve and Ramirez. But uh, he recently talked about something kind of uh, quirky and interesting in terms of uh, his look and about uh, his uniform and how he, uh, again, has something of a different look from most other players in big league baseball. Here's what Judge had to say about that.
0: When I first got drafted, all we were allowed to wear was our pants up with our with our, our socks up high. You know that's what I was used to. That's how I came through the minor leagues. And then it wasn't until 2016, I believe, or 2015, they allowed us to finally wear our pants down. And, you know, as a kid growing up, you know, I could never find pants that fit me. You know, I could never wear them down. You know, so I always had to pull them up just because I was so tall. The pants never went all the way down, so I had to wear my socks up high. So, you know, this past year, I think I was either talking with Bird or somebody or a couple guys. and said, I think I'm going to go pants up this year just to kind of take it back to my roots of you know, playing as a little kid, a little leaguer with my pants up, and, you know, playing in the minor leagues where I first started with my pants up.
2: So, Brian, some interesting uh, comments there from Aaron Judge about the, the high socks and uh, wearing the uniform the way he does, and uh, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, it's
3: something that trails the Yankees players all the way back down to the, the low minors, as Aaron mentioned, uh, and this is something that goes back to the George Steinbrenner years. Uh, you know, Steinbrenner wanted all of his players to – look the same in the minor leagues and they all have to wear the high socks. And, uh, you talk about the facial hair policies and all that. And so there's a, there's a specific Yankee uniform. And I remember Derek Jeter talking to me, uh, it was his final week as a regular season player. And I think I was talking to him about, um, the consistency of his bats uh, because he, as you know, Derek used only one model of bat in his career. And he said, come here, man, I'll show you something. And he pulls up his pants leg above his knee And he had a a stirrup. It almost looked kind of like a garter that keeps your socks high. And even though Derek didn't have to wear his socks high anymore, he got so accustomed to doing that in the minor leagues that he wore the same exact thing his entire uh, major league career. So that's the, whatever that little thing is that you call I'm going to call it a garter. Uh, (laughs) He took that all the way from the low minors uh, and he's taking it to Cooperstown. So uh, there's just a little story about uh, a connection between Judge and Jeter and Um, So if if Aaron Judge wants to wear his socks high, he he certainly has some uh, select company and and people who have done that in the past as well.
2: Yeah, and Yankee fans hoping that's not the only connection between a former Yankee great and a guy that could be a future Yankee great. Talking about, again, Derek Jeter and uh, Aaron Judge. And another topic, Brian, that uh, Aaron Judge shared his thoughts about was about his first exposure to Not just Yankee baseball, but Yankee playoff baseball. It's it's something different. It's something special. And he talked about uh, the atmosphere at Yankee Stadium for his first ever home playoff game in the Bronx. I've
0: never been around an atmosphere like that before. Uh, the fans were in every single pitch. Um, it felt like whenever a runner on, runner got on base, it felt like the bases were loaded. his two outs, bottom nine. It Just the atmosphere that those fans brought to Yankee Stadium. It felt like the park was was alive. It was alive, and I know. We as players felt it, we fed off that you know we, we, a lot of players usually don't show emotion, we're showing emotion out there and that's where you want to play. you know there's no better place to play.
2: And of course, you know I'm sure that uh, many other players share the same sentiment as uh, Aaron Judge uh, with that uh, atmosphere for playoff baseball in the Bronx. and uh, you know Brian, obviously it's something very special for Aaron Judge.
3: Yeah, and I, I don't think – I think it's special for Yankee fans as well. I'm not sure I've ever felt Yankee Stadium feel the way it did during those postseason games uh, against Cleveland and Houston. I mean, the building literally shook. And you, you heard people say, you know, the building is alive. And uh, that's something you used to hear across the street at the old stadium when the fans were really on top of you, the way the structure was. It almost seemed like the upper deck was going to collapse onto the playing field. Um, I, I Sitting in the press box, I felt – the stadium shake you you felt people banging and stomping and uh Joe Girardi was talking about how that final game that what turned out to be his final game game five against Houston he kind of took a look around and it reminded him of the old stadium and you could see the liquids flying when something good happened and uh, people getting showered in in beer or soda or whatever it is and Uh, It just seemed like the magic of the 1990s was back, and it's guys like Aaron Judge who have done that to this building, because I'm sure it struck in 2009. I I really can't remember, but it has been a while. And uh, to hear Yankee Stadium and feel it the way it was, it was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, the old Yankee Stadium during the the glory days of the 90s and 2000s, that's a tough act to follow. But if uh, 2017 is any indication, maybe, as you said, the Yankees are on the way to replicating that atmosphere uh, for many years to come, given the young core and the young nucleus that this team currently possesses. So, uh, Brian, great stuff there from you uh, and from Aaron Judge. Thanks so much for the time on this Wednesday. We'll do it again next week. In the meantime, Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras New York Yankees.